here at Gaming NBS, we're trying to go for a more natural, more tranquil approach to tabletop RPGs. Brett? Brett? Welcome to episode 56 of Gaming NBS, a tabletop RPG podcast where we talk about gaming and other miscellaneous topics of geekery. I'm one of your hosts, Sean. And I'm Brett. Welcome to the show. And if you're new, welcome. Uh, thanks for joining us. Glad to have you on board. If you're uh, on the blab right now, you've seen this twice. So this is kind of cool. Hey, technical difficulties. What are you going to do? So just to make sure that I capture this for posterity's sake, we, uh, Sean and I have uh, gotten together. And after what happened on the Misdirected Mark podcast, we feel that we need to let our listeners know that, yes, indeed, Sean and I are aware. We're doing what we can to broker a peace deal between uh, Phil and Chris. Hopefully they can uh, come to some sort of agreement. If not, we do. We, we, we've got another seat here. I got an extra mic. Sean's got an extra mic laying around. We can maybe do something with these guys I, I, if we have to. You know, if, if they can't keep the band together and they uh, go all Beatles on us, well, we'll have to do what we can do to help uh, help them out. But, you know, gaming, it is tragic. Gaming and BSP. Meh. Gaming it, and BSV. We'll figure something out. Yeah. Phil and Brett. I like Phil and Brett. Phil and Brett sounds good. <laughs> you can be our sound guy. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. You're just as important as Phil and I. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. Hey, ba- hey. Jimmy Page played for a few different bands. I'm down with that. There you go. See, there we are. Ah. <sighs> well, hopefully they can patch it up over there. And I, I, I know Ingress has ruined more than one relationship in the past. So hopefully they can patch it up. That's all I'm saying. Well, let's let's hope for that, shall we? I'm sure it'll be fine. I'm sure it'll be just. Yeah. Hey, I'm sure it'll be just fine, Brett. They're grown men. I'm sure they'll figure it out. Uh, totally mature. They'll, they'll, Absolutely. They'll, you know. Like good gamers, they'll meet face to face, talk it out, hash it out. Everything yep. will be everything will be just fine. Yeah, I'm sure. If we uh, those of you who do watch the Mister Tomorrow podcast live, I'd like a report to see if Chris does indeed have the uh, double black eyes that we've heard rumor of. So we'll see. <laughs> we'll see if that actually occurred. Yeah, or maybe they put on the maybe they should put on the sumo sit sumo suits, the old soccer boppers or something. Oh yeah. Yeah, is that is that the big like the big those huge are the big gloves? like overblown mitts that used to, that parents used to buy kids back in like the eighties? <laughs> Some sort boppers. of parental 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 approved child on child violence in their own home. Anyway, shall we get into announcements? Yeah, man, let's make this happen. <clears throat> All right, let's do it. So we've got game hole as Sean and I have uh, pimped many times, and as folks know who listen to us, we, we love Wisconsin. That's where we're based out of. We do our best to. Um, Pimp out the different cons that are happening in our area. Anything within driving distance from us, which is pretty much, you know, four to eight hours one way, we'll get there if we can type of thing. Gamehole, uh, local dust in Madison, Wisconsin. Uh, pre-registration for that ends on October 15th, folks. So it is October 4th today. The sucker will drop on, what, the 6th? So you've got some time. Hopefully you can make it. We've got uh, gamehole.com. I'll link in the show notes if you haven't already found such a thing. Get out there, take a look. I hope we can see folks there. And uh, if you do, Sean and I'll have a little uh, table set up in the back. Find us, stop in, say hi, tell us what you think. Um, 
Hopefully you won't have to swear at us too badly. Um, hopefully it'll be nice to meet some listeners face to face for those of you who can make it. The other one I have is Evercon 2016. <clears throat> now 2016 feels like it's next year because it is, um, but it happens in January, early January. Evercon, E-V-E-R-C-O-N.org. Evercon will be here before you know it come January. It's a small convention out of my hometown of Wausau, Wisconsin, where they have it's a local uh, club up there from a high school, D.C. Everest. They get together, and uh, they've been putting this on for a number of years. And they honestly they actually have more people than uh, comes through there than, has, than have been through game hole so far. Last year, I think they were at almost 1,200 people. That's so crazy. It's, it is. It's a, it's, a, it's a lot of people get packed in. I've been there for the past uh, three years. My buddy Kevin has been there. Chad Knight, another friend of the show, has been there. Zave, Alpha, Lenny, a bunch of us go. It's a lot of fun. It's small, oh, oh, but yeah. it's, for it's the, a cool For the rest of the cool gaming thing. world. Oh, yeah, Zave, Alpha. Oh, yeah, okay. Oh, yeah, cool. totally. Right. Exactly. Oh, yeah, those guys, I got it. <laughs> but what I'm saying is, <laughs> Shit. it's fun. Because we, the they're the only ones listening. Like, oh, oh yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, Chad's like, see, oh, Sean, Zave's going? Sean oh, insists, okay. Sean insists that we've got more than six <laughs> listeners. I still don't believe it. But anyway, the cool thing is what where I'm getting at is there's it's it's a really fun it's a really fun it's local so what I like to do with my group is whenever possible, hey, can we go there and try to support these guys and do what they can do. Same thing um down here. Hey, uh, as Kevin says in the chat here on the blab, everyone knows Kevin Lovecraft. Duh. Um but anyway, when you get a chance to support some of these local cons, it's a lot of fun. It's a good way to meet some really cool people and uh just do some kick-ass gaming. It's a lot of fun. So oh, anyway, those are the only two announcements I had. Do you have anything else, Sean? Regarding Game Hole. Oh, you got something else? If you're a fan of the show and you're flying in, I will personally Uber your ass to the con. You with, will? Without the Uber part. <laughs> so if you're, if you're flying into Madison and you're a listener of the show and you give me a heads up, let me know. I would be more than happy to pick you up. It's got. I have the day off Thursday. Friday, if you fly in, it might be trouble because I'll be at the con. Wednesday night, maybe I can swing it. So I will do what I what I can. Yeah, what I can. Just give me a I heads Thursday, up. I have a, I have Thursday off as well. I might be able to tag team you there and help help folks out if we need to. Uh, look at that, man. Gaming and BS shuttle service. Yeah, so we'll <laughs> we'll take the luggage and we'll strap it across our motorcycles, one part on mine and one part on Brett's. Yes. And then we'll put you on one of our the backs of one of ours and then we'll we'll in sync go down the Well road. if necessary we can we can we've got a couple um uh longboards well, if you're uh, skateboards we'll ha- you can sketch behind if necessary so right. we won't get above 60 70 so I'm sure you'll be fine Or what they can do is we can tie the luggage to one of our motorcycles and then just sit on the luggage as we I mean that that's legit I guess yeah. if they want to It's totally safe We do it all the <laughs> time all in Wisconsin all the time <laughs> Exactly All seriousness folks so Sean is not kidding and uh, if you do, if you're coming in, get a hold of him, hit him up on the Google Plus page, Facebook, email, whatnot, and uh, see if we can lend a hand to him. So, yeah, I mean, we'll do our best uh, to help people out. I'm super cheap. It's only like a uh, hundred bucks what, uh, one way. Nah, I don't, uh, I'll take care of you. No, no charge. You guys no charge. listen to the show. See, that's the extra. 
that you get with gaming and BS. You won't get it in any other RPG podcast. When? Yeah, no, no other RPG podcast in Madison will drive you to Madison Con. That's so, exactly right. There we go. We've got that. Just name form. one. Give me one. That's all you need. I, I, got, tell, I got nothing. There you go. There you go. Anything else for announcements, man? No, let's go into uh, Random Encounter, shall we? Sounds good. Random Encounter, the element in part of the show where we field emails, voicemails, and comments from social media from you. As Brett gets done coughing. Sorry, I was Smoke, trying not to cough. Smoker's cough. Oh, uh, not that bad. No, he doesn't smoke. I don't smoke often. Anyway, so shall I? I'll start. Random encounter. Uh, Mark Martinez from episode 55, playing for the story. Uh, Mark says, I was thinking about the topic of the episode a bit more. And I think the story does matter to an extent. If I remember correctly, the point was made that if there was absolutely zero desire for a story, one could always play a board game or a tabletop war game. Apart from that, where I sit down to play, for example, D&D, and the DM proceeded to run us through a dungeon crawl that had no narrative considerations at all. Why are we here? Why are these monsters here? What's the end game? I quickly grow bored with it. Hell, as it is, I tend to get fidgy with dungeon crawls when they are tossed into games that always have strong stories. <clears throat> Excuse me. As a matter of personal preference, story matters a lot to me, but only from a standpoint that I want to know the GM has put some sort of thought into the setup for the adventure or, comp- or campaign that he, she is taking the actions of the players into account in terms of how they affect the world and the NPCs. If I'm not mistaken, that's pretty much the same conclusion you guys reached. I think you're right, uh, Mark. That's kind of where Sean and I ended up, is that um, <clears throat> we love the, the the story is an artifact that comes at the end of the game. That's kind of where Sean and I ended. And having a decent adventure set up and kind of narrative points within it, if you will, not overly kind of in-your-face type of thing, but having... The story constructed reasons, rationale behind things, kind of that um, uh, ecology that I've mentioned in the past, Sean and I have dished about. Um, having ecology to events allows the world to seem real, and there's end game story beats, all that stuff. And at the end of it, you're going to end up with a really cool story if you play the game appropriately. So, cool. You know, as John, you know, as John Ross commented on our blog on that episode. Did he? I didn't see it. Yeah, I did not see it. What did he, he say? All he said was, uh, "Well, let's see, let me see if I can get it over there." Uh, it says, well, that was odd. <laughs> okay. And I responded with <clears throat> smiley face. Okay. Well, hey. Uh, all right. If he wants to say more, he's more than free to say so. Yeah, no kidding. All right. Net going, moving on. I'll Ro- let you have, I'll let you bag the next one. Roger Brasselet, or as we call him in the U.S., Roger Brasslet. Maybe some of the distinction is in the name of the type of game you play. I play, quote-unquote, role-playing games. My purpose isn't to create a story. I go to play a role. A story is what happens when everybody plays their characters' roles. If the same players took the same adventure, same dungeon, and played different characters, different roles, The story would be different, though the situation was the same or familiar. Other people play, quote-unquote, story games. They show up for express purpose of creating memorable stories. I think the end result is probably similar. The difference is how you get there. That is quite profound. And uh, I think it's I think that matches a lot of what I had said about my buddy Zave, you know, likes to play the character and develop the character. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yes. So how you get there. Cool. I it think, is. I like it. Yeah. I am going to go and ponder that now. Okay, I'm done. Let's go. Okay. Uh, on to the next one. Thanks, Roger, cool. for writing in. Absolutely, Roger. Thank you, sir. The Todd Father. Uh, Todd Father. <clears throat> yes, from episode 55. Uh, found the podcast about three days ago or so, and I've been binge listening, starting with show one. Excellent advice. I've often given that. This is one of my favorite podcasts. Awesome. Can't get enough of it. Anyway, I'm caught up and have a thought on the last episode. Todd says, my thought is this. The Game Master is there to set the scene, invent the big baddies in the dungeon. This is the, uh, it is the players that make the story. In my over 30 years of playing off and on, that most stories that survive the times are just like drunk stories. <laughs> it's always about what the characters did and not the, quote, grand and glorious, unquote, story the DM or GM had in their mind. Thank you so much for your hard work and creating a podcast that everyone needs to take for a spin. Awesome. Well, thank you, Todd. Yeah, Glad thanks. to have you on board, sir. Yeah, thanks for binge-watching, Todd. And as you will have known by this time, by the time you listen to this um, version <clears throat> of the show, you will know that um, the way that IGM, the players making the story, is an illusion. It is a grand illusion, okay? So... Now, I understand your group may be a little bit different, and they may come together, and, and the, it goes through the players. But when I'm running as a GM, it, it's my show. Right, Brett? Yeah, Sean. So, Br- Brett, how would I tell you about that bad attitude? I, I know. I know, sir. It's good. It's all good. I'll, I I got my ticket punched when I got on the Sean train. I'm I'm on it. I'm hey, in it. Hey, this Sean train. Hey, all right all right so our other uh our other buddy jeff rademacher um and wisconsinite cheesehead absolutely actually he's from my hometown i think he went to wassa west and uh oddly enough knows another gentleman I used to game with because well wassa being such a massive metropolis anyway um jeff says just listen to the podcast as you're talking about the story and playing i was thinking about our home game so we invited a friend over who uh who runs the game for his family of four and our family of four. This is the first time my kids were actually playing an RPG. We started playing a modified version of AD&D that he worked up for his kids, but the setting is still a fantasy medieval one. My youngest decided to throw uh, throw the game on its ear and decides to be the doctor. That's capital T, capital D. Cat a good ranger with a sonic screwdriver as his weapon. RDM ran the game with the story in mind, but the doctor always ended up having his own plans and did kind of derail the game at points. The great thing was it ended, added an element of the unknown to the game, and the story took a backseat to the role-playing. The negative was that, because he's 10, and this is his first RPG, um, I had to have a conversation with him that he overwhelmed the game, and that became a little tedious for the rest of us who wanted to play as well. I told him what he's doing was fine, he just was doing too much of it. And Jeff, I can totally see that. You've got the... Um, it's that classic piece when you, you have someone who loves the limelight, they're having a lot of fun... We have to be able to spread the limelight around, and it was. I'm I'm proud of you, man, for actually taking the time to talk to the to the kid and say, hey, you know what, um, good stuff. You know, I love the character development. That's great. He's ten, so they're gonna have some wacky ideas, but you need to be able to uh, let somebody else play too. It's that RPGs have a weird tendency sometimes when someone who's really into it, you can inadvertently be very selfish, not even doing it on purpose, but you're having so much fun, it's hard to let go of that fun and pass it to the next player. So good on you, Jeff, for, for, for saying something to the boy. 
Yeah, I think uh, that young lad contact me, and uh, you know, don't. He's probably not listening to this podcast because we're marked as explicit, and I'm sure Jeff, being a responsible parent that he is, won't allow allow him to have us bestow upon our wisdom at this point in time. And I understand that, but I think the young lad is doing the right thing, and that's okay. I think he's fine. He's going to just take over. It's it's his railroad. He, God damn it. That's right. He will grow up to be an outstanding game master in the church of Sean. Nice. That's all I'm saying. Nice. He is on that's the road to success. <sighs> and if right, I knew his this. name and he was older, I'd give him props here, but I don't, you know, I don't want to violate any terms and conditions of underage kids here. <sighs> Very Nice. All right, do the sponsor here before I reach across this internet and punch you. Michael Aldhauser, a friend of the show and sponsor, is the gamer behind the awesome dice bags available at grayedout.etsy.com. Yeah, I've got four of these awesome bags. These are stand-up bags, dual drawstring, tough as nails. He can do custom work. He's got a ton of things in his shop, custom colors, you name it, he can pull it off for you. Be sure to mention Gaming NBS for a 10% discount when you place your order at the website grayedout, that's G-R-E-Y-E-D-O-U-T dot Etsy dot com. All right, you ready for this, man? Let's intro the theme of the evening, shall we? Hit me, brother. See what you got. I'm going to let you in on the secret almost everybody else in this world automatically knows. Control is an illusion, you infantile egomaniac. Control. Control. What are we talking about tonight, Brett? Well, I figured since we've been talking a little bit about <clears throat> story and all these components, we we dabbled in this last time, and with the Sean train in uh, in you know full steam ahead here, I want to talk a little bit bit about player control. Um, <clears throat> so some 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 podcasts would consider this player agency. Player agency, exactly. Player agency is something Sean and I have touched on periodically. We've talked about games with bennies and different things that allow. Or fate, where you kind of have that round table perspective, and uh, where players seem to have a lot of power, if you will, at the table, in um, difference to what a lot of us grew up playing from a traditional RPG perspective. I mean, I recall being a younger kid and playing <clears throat> playing D anD D, and the game master was quote unquote, you know, the man. That was that was the god king at the table. If he said this, this is what happened. And um, player agency and your ability to counteract certain things wasn't always there. And this kind of came to me a little bit. We've been dishing about this back and forth over the last few episodes. And Eric Farmer, we talked about this last episode as well. But a piece of it is where it kind of really got me going. He said on episode 53, when we talked about character death, he said, quote, why have non-voluntary death at all, unquote. And that's what got me thinking about the various aspects of control that game masters like to give their players or don't like to give their players. And that contr- uh, that the players want to have or um, often, you know, uh, grab sometimes you know like we just talked about one on jeff's up on jeff's uh um uh letter to us there sometimes you've got somebody that 10 year old was like look i want to have this and kind of take over and sometimes that happens is that good is it bad 
and all of that. So, Sean, when you think about player agency and that type of thing, I think you having grown up playing D&D much like I did, that really wasn't a thing back in the day when you were kids, right? That, that wasn't how it was? I mean, what, what do you think about that? The whole player agency concept and power in their hands. So are you asking me whether it was a good thing to allow the players to have player agency? Yes, I'm asking you oh. what you think about it. I think it's good. Thanks, that's but it, good. It really doesn't matter. <laughs> it doesn't matter in my games. So it's good. They can have the illusion <laughs> that they have player agency and, um, you know, that's fine. Uh, next there subject. Is... Next, nice. Next topic. Hey, let's knock out two episodes out of one, right? Two episodes out of one. What do you think about this? Fuck it. Don't like it at all. All right, moving on. No, you gotta um, have, you gotta let the players do their thing. You gotta let them, you gotta give them, this is the thing that'll piss people off. And, and it's, this always infringes on our standard. We talk about a lot of D and D Pathfinder 3035 ish games, right? Um, you know, this isn't a podcast where we highlight fate a lot. I'm just setting the bar here. So I think one of the things that will piss people off faster than anything is when you start futzing with their, the control of their player. Um, it, you know, when you fail a charm spell, if you're, if you, you know, somebody's charms you or, uh, which is a spell in D and D or Pathfinder. And, and that allows you, you know, it takes away what you wanting, what your, what your free will is as a player character. And I think when you start getting into, Oh, now you're possessed. Now, you know, give me your character. I'm going to start playing them as a GM. I mean, that's so when you start getting into those things, uh, it's yeah, it's no good. So the other the other piece of that, too, is when you have somebody with a character background and they want to play their character in a certain way. And they're like, look, this is not something my character would do. And the game master is like, yeah, but. And instead of coming, working with them to try to sort out a, a situation or something, they kind of throw the heavy railroady hand. I honestly think that when you for when you take away player agency or or choice or even if it's kind of a um <clears throat> even if it's a bit of an illusion in some aspects we can talk about that perhaps in a bit when you highlight an illusionary thing or you focus on the fact that they don't really have any control in this case that case and if that happens repeatedly especially when it comes to you will start off on point a you will end up on point b and these six things will happen to you it doesn't fucking matter what you do in between that's the railroady feel we've talked about that a couple different times and when it's so in their face um that there's no you're like look it doesn't matter what i do you're going to do this thing to me anyway that's where i i really understand why players and myself when i play too i want to be able to make a decision that has some impact now we can talk about potentially that's that's um, different than than player agency and and Player can well. Okay, I guess that's what you're trying to define. So it, right? it, it's a it's a fragment of it. It's it's a piece of it, right? So, so <laughs> I me, say, look, we're down the dungeon. I want to go right, or I want to go left. I want to go to this town. I want to take a boat across the river, or I'm going to go from New York to Belfast, and I'm going to take a plane versus some other, you know, some other variation of travel or whatever. That that's one piece of it. The other components of this come into games, even like uh, Savage Worlds, where you have chips and bennies and there's mechanics of the system that are designed where the players can take over narrative control of the story or we often refer to it as a story but let's let's maybe i should throw that out for right now they can take over the events that are occurring at that moment 
They can trump whatever it is that the game master is looking to do. I got you backed against the wall. The vampire wants to do X, Y, or Z. You're like, no, I play this token. <clears throat> I do this thing. Situation, Tim Jensen, thank you very much. Um, where the situation at hand, the player can influence it, direct it, adjust whatever it is that the game master wanted to have happen or is pushing towards. And I know some players that I've spoken to, um, as these games become more and more popular, and I've tried to play a couple of them, some people I've played with or that I've talked to are like, yeah, I don't like that stuff. I don't like having to have a mechanic that allows that to happen. And I'm trying to figure out, is that even in the parts of me that, quote-unquote, don't like it or I'm hesitant about it, is that because I'm grabbing on to my Grognard you know, past where I'm like, no, that's not how the games are supposed to work. Should I just let that go? And or is it kind of um, is it one of those pieces where do you have da, 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 is it unbalancing, dude? Here's what kills. Here's what kills me about you. You ready for this? Me? Yeah, go you ready for it. this. I'm gonna freaking hey. vent on. I'm gonna I'm gonna vent on on the Brettster here. Oh. Brett Brett is so I I if you haven't garnered this from our show, I can be a little bit on the facetious side of the topic, right? What? I know. I know. Fuck, I didn't know that. No one told yeah. me. Yeah, well. Dick. Anyway, se- carry on. The secret's out. Secret's out. I get so it. So here's Fine. here's the thing. When I talk about players and having having no control, and then I'm the GM, and then I've got the iron hand, iron fist, and all that they do is really for nothing because I'm just going to do whatever I want, and, and the roles aren't going to matter, and all that stuff. The funny thing is, is that when I talk to Brett about Savage Worlds, fate and fate points and all this other stuff. He doesn't like that mechanic because it takes control away from him as a game master. Yes. And so I don't like the, I don't like the, I don't need a mechanic is what I've always said. We've talked about this before, but, but is it the mechanic? I mean, what do you mean? I know you don't need the mechanic. You, you don't, you don't need the mechanic as a GM, but a lot of these mechanics fall on the players. Yes. So the players, that I work with. Now, this is where it comes down to my group versus if I'm playing with somebody else. If I'm playing with you, Sean, and uh, let's say Tim Jensen or some of the other guys that I've been that I've met on on the show or I've <clears throat> I've met on on Google Plus, they do not know how at my table to without a mechanic to impact that that scene. Now, Grant, and maybe I'm and maybe in uh, Kevin's listening, perhaps I'm way the fuck off on this. And I'm more heavy handed than I should be, but I have done things where like this, this, and this, and a character would go, wait a second. A player says, wait a second, X, Y, and Z. And we say, okay, that makes more sense. And instead of having to throw a chip or call Benny or spend a fate point or whatever it is, the, the, the situation has been modified based on feedback from the players about what their characters would do or what they think should happen. Or, you know what? There's clearly, a bottle on the table. There's obviously a fire in the fireplace. Um, This other thing is there and we don't need in my group, a mechanic necessarily to do that. doesn't mean that that's the only way to do it. And I think that perhaps transporting that out to anybody else, if I don't have a mechanic, it's going to be hard to get somebody else to understand that. No, you can totally tell Brett, stop. I want to do this other thing because it's not going to be that, it's not going to be as easy to do because you don't know me and you don't know how my table works without having been there for, you know, 10 years or whatever happens to be. 
Well, yeah, and that's and that's fine. I I get I get where you're coming from, and that's okay. I I understand, and it's not to be. Uh, it's not to say that you're doing it wrong or right and that you would need chits or bennies or what have you. Yeah, that's fine. I'm, I'm totally, I could go either way. However, with some of the things, like if you're going to call out Savage World specifically in the bennies, the bennies allow different things than to, to, then, then to alter the story, right? They give bonuses to your role. And back before they changed the shaken rules, you used to have, I don't know if they have to anymore, but you used to have to spend a Benny to remove your the shaking condition. Uh, I think it allowed you to do that versus, I could be wrong, and I'm going to quote a wrong rule, but I, I, I have to look because I'm running this stupid game in November. It's not a stupid game. I love Savage Worlds. I shouldn't have said that. Bad Sean. Anyways. Um, Sean also knows the rules a lot better than he's letting on most times. Yeah, it's just, I wing stuff like this, and usually there's somebody at the table that knows him better than I do, and he's like, nope, that's right. Okay, great, okay. But anyways, um, you would... So the the Benny's piece allows you to do different things other than change the story. So the, I don't know a lot of the... I'm trying to think of a lot of RPGs that I've either played in or I've owned where... You you have a mechanic where if you spend something, it changes. It allows you to take narrative control. Now, a lot of story based games or independently published games that are that have mechanics built into that specifically to allow you to say, okay, I'm going to take this or I'm going to spend this, and that allows me to take narrative control. That's a whole different ball game, right? Um, than some of the more traditional D and D ish games. Right? I don't know any D&D game where you spend something and it's like, oh, I get to now I get to dictate what's going on or what have you. So so that depends a little bit on what piece of the narrative we want to necessarily talk about. So there are there are D&D games that I know folks have played with even Warhammer first edition fantasy roleplay way back in the day had uh, fate points that you had your character or hero points. I've known guys who played D&D with hero points as an option and you can use that to re-roll a die. You can use that um to make a DM reroll something or give you a second chance of some sort. So any mechanic that any game has that allows that puts something in the player's hand that they can say, you hit me, the bugbear just beat the shit out of me, I just got shot by the enemy sniper, no, I'm going to invoke this um, thing, whatever that mechanic is, I'm going to change it. I hit you, did you hit me? I like you, do you like me? (laughs) (laughs) But I think having um I, I think sometimes when it comes to combat, some of those um the mechanics are in there and I the more I've been I'm noodling on this and thinking about it, there's a lot of different components within within D and D, especially some of the newer incarnations and my friends used to have uh hero points and, and other pieces of some of these looking at luck rolls, anything that like that that lets you roll an extra die or redo something. A lot of times it's a very small component of it. It's not the same, perhaps, as Fate or um, even Savage Worlds and some of those type of games or some of the more indie story games. I've started um, trying to find some some more in that space. I want to do some more reading about them. Um, but I think that that's kind of the, the gateway. So when I look back on it, I'm, again, as Sean and I want to do it, I'm thinking about this as we're going through this discussion here. I'm saying, you know what? That's actually been a part of my games for a very long time. 
Well, those in I, some way there was a tiny mechanic that said, "No, you, Sean, you failed. No, fuck you, Brett. Click. I have luck, which means I get to re-roll this thing." Well, see, those are a little bit different than what I interpreted your dislike for. Because I think when I when we were talking at one point in time, you were you didn't like those types of things because they may have changed. I, I was under the impression that it was more of the narrative piece, story piece. And now you're going. Yes, now I remember you going back to saying. Oh, I don't, yeah, your example right there just triggered it in my brain where you just said, oh, no, I got screwed. Oh, no, I didn't. Uh, I get to re-roll. Here I spend this thing and I get to re-roll. I don't know if that's, why is that so bad? Why do you get hung up on that, Brett? Hey, Brett. No, I'm not, hey, I'm hey not, Brett. I'm not getting hung up on hey, that I think you're getting. A, I think you're getting a little, I think you're getting a little, uh, you know, offended here and, and defensive. Right. You get a little defensive for you? A little it. defensive. Okay. But go on, go on, go on. As wrong as you are, keep continue. I mean, do you, you. if you need to, you know, if we should take a break <laughs> right now and we can come back and Phil, I'm going to be contacting. You. We're going to start our own <laughs> podcast. That's going to fucking happen. What is here. that going to be, oh. Mister? I mean, you might have half the rights of our name and half the rights of theirs. Maybe misdirected. It's going to be fucking awesome, is what it's going to be. Misdirected <laughs> BV. BP. Anyway. Misdirected BP, not to be mistaken for the petroleum company. <laughs> British petroleum, yes. <laughs> Anyhow, so some of this comes down to I have I've read a lot of different reviews of different story-based games, and I've looked at some of them, and I have a very passing kind of understanding of fate in some of these pieces. This is where I need to go out and grab this stuff. And honestly, anybody listening to this, I, I totally encourage you to hit me back with games that are um, hit us with links in the Google Plus community, something that helps me point me at a good game that that explains this better or does it really well. Um, <clears throat> when there is a narrative component of a game where the storyline, you've taken the time as a game master, you've built a world, you've built a setting, and you've got, this is what's going to happen. And I play very much off the cuff anyway, very improv. And I think it's easier for me perhaps than it is for some people, and this sounds horribly arrogant, but if Sean were to say, you know what, no, I throw a chip on the table or I spend a point and the bad guy can't make it right now because of X. Or, oh, wait a minute. Make, I have can't made make... this decision and therefore, no, I, I'm spending this thing. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. When, when you you gotta you got to firm this shit up. You're being way okay. too, like, wishy, ambiguity, no, no, crap. No, no. So... You, when you say that, give me an example. Is it a mechanical issue or is it a narrative? Because there are two different things that we're talking about, and I see. No, they're not. Mechanics, mechanics, are, and narrative are essentially the same thing, dude. Oh, you are freaking high. <laughs> oh, I, oh, when you're talking about a mechanic that changes the narrative, I mean, how do you separate the two? It can go. How hand, are you separating? It the two? can go hand in hand, but you could say like, well, you don't have to have a mechanic fuck around with the, the narrative. So, for example, if you say, hey, I'm going to meet with uh, the professor and I'm going to get some information and you go, okay, and you go to meet with the professor and you ask them a question, you could say, he says this, and then you can go, oh, I spend this to have him say something different. There's no mechanic in there except for the spend. But when Yes, you- that's a mechanic. And that, that is a mechanic then that forces me as a game master to change Yes. The information I was going to give you into something that you want or that you think would be more interesting. Yes, but we're also talking about the mechanic. So I'm getting confused. You have to set me straight. No, no, no. I'm, this is this is where my head's going. I'm, I'm, I know I'm off. So it, what I'm thinking is you sit in there, you go in there and you say something and you want to win over the professor. You mm-hmm. do diplomacy check or whatever. 
and you're going to spend your chit to give you a bonus on the roll. So that is mechanical. That's how I equate it. If there's a freaking, there's a rule, roll, addition, subtraction, there's math involved, whatever that is, there's an influence from an advantage, if you will, from from doing something and spending your chit, then that's different than straight narration. Like you say, hey, GM's talking about something, and then you go, well, I don't agree. I, I'm going to spend the chit, and then I get to tell my side of the story. That's to, that's a mechanic, yes, but I'm getting... I guess what are we what we're doing is are you using something to manipulate the mechanics of the game? And so you talk about the math, the dice rolling, the math, the my plus one is better than your plus two, therefore I do five points of damage. Or am I using a mechanic in order to influence the outcome of a conversation, an investigation, that type of thing? Yes. That Vers- yes. Versus I'm gonna tell you something that's going to occur. Uh going to occur it's my turn so maybe we're playing so for one example if you were playing in a gm-less game you would have maybe four players five players whatever the game calls for and then each person may have the spotlight and so then it's like well i'm going you've played you've played fiasco right i have once it was a while ago so but in that game does fiasco when you played it was there a game master or is pretty much no there's no game master in fiasco i've not not read fiasco so i I, I can't speak to it it is completely everybody at the the table is completely players you you there's no gm so what happens in that game to kind of give you an idea so for folks that haven't heard of fiasco go and get it it's really awesome it's like uh coen brothers movies you know everything's fine and then shit hits the fan so basically, it's very light mechanics. Um, there's a there's a mechanic called the tilt where all the shit hits the fan. But anyways, you you either have the ability to to dictate what the outcome is, or you say no, and then the players get to dictate negative or positive outcome. So there's a choice there. I'm not going into the the legitimate and and I know that Tim in the chat room's got this all down pat because he's played Fiasco over and over. But essentially, you set the scene, and you're in a scene with another player, and then you know the scene changes, and different players are involved. There's no GM that dictates any of it. So, anyways, what? So it's not a really good example to use when we're talking here because it's well. Not- the interesting piece now is there is, from what I have seen from speaking to different gamers online, their merging of those two types of things—that fiasco-style game that you just described. And taking pieces of that and putting it on top of your traditional RPG. Um, I think that's where it can get kind of wonky, or at least for those of us who've been doing, who have like, look, I'm, I'm the game master, so I'm trying to make sure everything's coordinated and organized. I'm trying to do this whole managing this big project that is my game thing and making sure this is all working correctly. And I already have... Characters deciding I'm going to go left, I'm going to go right, I'm going to go back, I'm not going to go talk to that guy, I'm going to shoot the deep one in the face, I'm going to go back over here, I want to stay and investigate the uh, the janitor's closet, no, I'm going to not go on that spaceship, I don't care what you tell me, Game Master, I'm going to do this other thing. Um, I already have enough of that, and then on top of that, if you will, um, saying, well, I as the player have this mechanic that allows me to say, no, there isn't even a spaceship there. There's this other thing. No, the janitor is there, Brett, even though you don't want him to be there because it's not a good point for that to happen. No, I'm going to make this thing occur. And I think I might be 
that's, far too black and white in my opinion of it yeah, or I, may, my understanding of it. Maybe that's, maybe that's the problem. I'm just being black and white and that's not the case. That's, that's way, the, that's way different. That's way different than I would interpret it. Cause then, cause the games we talk about typically on the show aren't like that there. I don't play. There isn't a game that I have. There isn't a, I don't know other than fate. Maybe I don't even know if that one does it, but I don't have any game on my shelf that allows somebody to sit down and go, well, and maybe fiasco, but it's not it's not the same. There's no GM. So you're not up against anybody. It's just kind of like you come together, you set a scene, you do the scene, and then you decide whether it's going, you want to, as part of that scene, if it's your spotlight, whether you de- you de- get to determine whether uh, you determine the outcome or is it and, and you allow... I don't remember, but there's something you get a choice and depending on the choice, you shuffle that to the other group, the other players to determine whether it's positive or negative, but you get to do whatever. I don't know. But anyways, what I'm saying is I don't have a game that's sitting on the shelf that we've ever talked about that allows you to kind of spend a hero point or or a chit or points or buy points to manipulate the actual story narration piece. Now, hero points, um, fortune points, fame points, all that stuff typically can be used to manipulate the mechanic. You get a bonus on here to hit. You can use it to, if you roll a 20 on a D20 in Spycraft, you can use it to, um, to, to make it a critical. If it's a one, you can do it a critical fumble. You know, some of those things. That, but it doesn't have to do with like, well, Brett's the GM. He dictates it. Some, you know, the, you know, the person's not there. Well, yes, he is. I spend it. Unless, no, I take that back. Uh, Gumshoe and Knights Black Agents allow you to do that kind of stuff. Maybe I don't know. Because then, well, but, in, it, but it in is Gumshoe, a, you do have. You will automate if I spend the point and there's a clue there. I'm going to get it. No, I know, but it's also like even uh, what is it? The resource skill or whatever it is, where if you have points in it, and you say. Oh, and preparedness. The, preparedness. Thank you. So yes. then you would be like, "Hey, I've got this. I spent a point of preparedness." But that even then, you're not. You're kind of like giving yourself a boost or, quote unquote, an advantage, um, because you spend those points. But I don't think, in in turn, may kind of influence the narration plot piece. But it's not turning it on its head, right? So if Brett says, "Okay, you go into the room." and it's dark and it's a disco or whatever, and you say, okay, I come to the door, and you're like, okay, it's locked, and you're like, shit, I'm going to spend a preparedness point point because I have my lock-picking tools. I, I grab those and pick them up and put them in my pocket. Okay, great. So it doesn't change the fact that the door is in front of you. It doesn't change the fact that it's locked. It just changes the fact it that It gives you a mechanism to get past it. Correct. So, so that said now, is there... Hmm. Having all of that stuff and having those those tools and those and those abilities to manipulate, you know, bonuses and minuses, advantages, disadvantages, and so forth. That that's good. Um, is there <clears throat> there is an aspect to me that kind of to Eric Eric Farmer's piece here? Why have non voluntary death when you decide that no one's going to die? And I look at you and they say, hey, um, <clears throat> Sean, Kevin, Tim, your person, um, you know, Mary the Magnificent, this great superheroine, she's dead. I mean, this is what's going to happen. Bam, you 
do this thing. And they're like, no, 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 whoa, 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 I can't die like that. I don't think this is a good time for my character to die. Um, <clears throat> there's ways to do that, I believe, within different mechanics and bonuses and so forth. When you talk about not having voluntary character death or certain pieces, I think maybe maybe it just comes down, maybe it's just the death thing that's that's got me that's got me uh, bent around on this. But if you say that, why have non-voluntary death? You say, nope, I will have no voluntary death. It all has to have a reason. The, the character can't just die by the whim of the die. Uh, you know, they didn't take extra hit points, wherever it is. Um, we're not going to do that type of thing. I am giving a level of agency and control to the player that says, you know what? No, you can't kill me until I say so. Now, granted, you can have a discussion that says, look, Brett, um, you charge the dragon. Um, you're in your nightshirt and you have a spoon. You're fucking dead. But no, 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 I don't, you know, that that's that's an asinine argument, right? The other ones are like, look, you know, this is a good time for me to die. I'm going to, you know, storm the ca castle. I'm going to do this thing to save my lady love. I'm going to do this other thing, thing to, you know, I'll fight my brother to the death to save the, to give the group time to, to flee or something. And again, it doesn't always have to be about death. It can be other components of it. But um, when we're, when you think it, when I think about what Eric Farmer said about voluntary death and it, eliminating it, I'm giving the player a big thing that they can say no. And that changes the story drastically. Because if I can't kill you, unless it's an agreed upon narrative event, that changes how things are going to go. And there's nothing. I, as a game master, I don't have any control over that. I can try to influence you or whatever it is, but if you say no... There's not much I can do. Again, there's, there's gray areas there, but that's the thing in my that's been bugging me, I guess. So, what do you think? So if you, if you, I, I'm, God, I don't know. If you, I don't know why. So if you're a GM and you're gonna kill this guy, what is the what is the voluntary death? The voluntary death is, or it, you can't kill them unless the player is okay with them dying. The, the player dying? The character? God, <laughs> the player, Jesus you can't Christ. Kill a, you cannot kill a player unless he says, yes, yes, Sean, you can kill me. So, so um, is that what we're getting at here? Is like you it's have an to. It's an example is that if you have, if you say, look, there will be no non voluntary death of a character. Okay. That means your character doesn't die unless it's fitting in some way. That <clears throat> if you're going to do that, there has to be. A discussion and understanding of what fitting means and so forth. Yeah, it's that's uh, yeah. There's no. too there's too much behind that. You got I mean just well, I know there this is we well, now you're going where yeah, I am. There's a lot yeah, behind that. Yeah. When you when but you I don't, do that type of thing. But I don't think it matters. You don't think it matters. No, I don't think it matters. I don't think I mean if that's the way if that's the way Eric plays and his group plays and that's the way he and they believe, then that's fine. It's cool. To me, it's like oh, absolutely no. no he's not doing it wrong. I'm not, I'm not saying that. No, I'm, I'm not, not saying that. No, I'm not saying that at all. But what I'm saying is, is that if that is the way that you want to play, there isn't really Brett. If you so, if I'm GMing and I I roll, you're going through the jungle or whatever it is, the terrain your player character is, and you you fall into a pit trap and you I get hey make a roll. And you fail the role and you die, or you don't die. 
the what's the who gives a shit? What's the difference? Like, is it? I mean, do you and I have to come to grips to say, well, that's dumb. That doesn't do anything with the story. Well, if you're first level, who gives a shit? If you're fifth, well, maybe it's a big deal. I don't know. Maybe it's maybe it's uh, situational. I think it depends on the type of game. Like we talked about with story before, is that it depends on the type of game you want to play and what you're trying to get out of it. Because if you if you stop a event and say no, because this doesn't have a this won't make for a good story, which ah. is what you're saying for non-voluntary death. Oh. Right? You fall in a pit. I'm sorry, you failed. You're dead. I'm like fuck that. No, my yeah. guy's like. Um, Jungle Ranger guy, I would never fall in the pit. All right, here, here's what I'm going to get off my like, chest. No, I'm going to get off. I'm like, no, I'm, I'm not this, dead. I'm going to get this crap right off my chest right now, Brett. You ready for Do this? It, lay it on, lay it on me. Lay I'm, it on me. I'm getting a little freaking tired of role playing games that are coming out where you start out as damn heroes. You haven't done shit. First level cook. You haven't adventured and learned anything. You Ta- want to go back to the Dungeon Crow Classics concept, right? Make You're third a farmer yeah. with a stick. Well, it doesn't have to be that, but I think that for whatever reason, at some at some point in time, it was like you're the our heroes, you're the hero, blah 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 blah. And it's like, wait a minute, dude. Back in the day, back in the day, if you were a wizard and you had three hit points and you stepped on a caltrop that did one to four and you freaking you know rolled a four, you died. Well, that's in a level-based system like that. If you played old school Call of Cthulhu when that first came out back in the 80s, you were really good. You can have 70, 60, 80% chances to accomplish things. Yeah. You can be a really, really good librarian. Yeah. And, but granted, you shoot anybody in there, they're, they're going to fucking die. So they're, they're still mortal. Die. Yeah. Well, oh, yeah, but they're, but they're really, really good and totally more than capable of figuring out how to stop Great Cthulhu from rising and eating the world. They can figure that out. So I think here's here I gotta premise my 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 venting is that if you grow if you start out and you're plebe and you grow to tenth level or whatever level that is, seventh, eighth, ninth, tenth, if it's a level based system, A D and D, fifth edition, whatever, I don't care what edition, probably not fourth. And then, because what happens is over time, your character develops, it, they learn, they, they, they meet people, they have different interactions, they have different adventures they've gone on, they've acquired treasure, they've got, you know, magic items and artifacts and all this other crap. And it all kind of comes together as things progress, right? The, the more it comes, becomes more comprehensive down the road. And then there's a story behind all of the the roads that have been traveled and to now I get that. Then I get kind of the picture of, Hey, if I die, it's gotta be something other than tripping over a wire and falling in a pit trap. And usually you don't die during a pit trap anyway, but in battle, I mean, is that where, where are you going to draw the line? Is it not noble enough because you're not up against the big bad or the biggest badassest person? I don't know, but it doesn't, even if you do die and the GM rolls and you, you take the big bullet. Maybe it, it can be the stern bright blade out of dragon Lance that goes up against the dragon and gets KO'd. And he's, then he's this big hero and sacrificed his life for the greater good or whatever story you want to tell after the fact, right? It's so I guess I don't know what the hell I'm getting at. I had something in my brain and I think everybody okay. understands no, no, no. me better no, than I do. Okay. I'm, I'm with you. You know what I'm so saying? If- 
Like who? No, I, I do. I get it. I don't want to get hung up on all this bullshit about like, you know, let's talk this over and really determine whether death is like should be a big deal or not, and who should determine who dies so and who you, doesn't. Even if you take death out and you say, well, um, my guy is like super ninja guy. He why would he ever fail a stealth roll? That unless it's dramatically Amen. appropriate, why Amen. should he ever fail a stealth roll? Who the hell knows, dude? I you know. There, there is well, no, there are, there's there no, are, cause here's the there, deal, man. There's no sense. There's no perfection that there is no perfection does not exist. Okay. That's why there is my argument. So there is there's in a, your perspective, then there's a line that player agency can't cross. Uh, yeah, I guess so. If that's, yeah, I guess. Which so. is, which I think is fine. I think there is, there is a line. And if you're. If your group wants to have that bar set saying, look, I want a lot of narrative and mechanical combat-y whatever control over my character, and you say, well, no, I have a limit <laughs> to where that's going to be um, because, you know, it's, look, it's not perfection. It's this type, you know, and I think some of that would come down to the concept of what game are you trying to play? Well, I'm playing D&D. Well, D&D doesn't support a heavy uh, non-voluntary death or or a really heavy um that I don't know, the, the the small book game stuff it doesn't it really support that type of play because that's not what that game is if you're going to play that type of game you need to play something like that if you want to play D with fiasco rule system that's going to be a bit of a rack because it's not what it's built for fiasco isn't supposed to do that you could probably come up with some sort of hack but that that's not what fiasco well there's for. there's play sets that you can you can play a medieval play set but it's going to be yes. kind of the same story where you're maybe a group of medieval travelers <laughs> and kooky stuff happens i mean fiasco is got its name for a reason so but yes it's not going to be the i'm going to travel get loot and kill things and do the dungeon crawl. It's more uh, of a social interaction and fiasco, regardless of this, uh, the playset. And the playset is the genre um, that may incorporate a period of time, a setting, whatever that is. But the interaction is completely social. There isn't any anything. I mean, that's the basis of that game. Anyways, Correct. Well, I guess what I'm saying though is that if you want to play that type of game, yeah, you should find a game that supports that. We and we've said that type of thing before, right? Well, yeah, people are going to argue that all day. I mean, if you're not if you're not playing the right game and you want to play that this X Y, then but you're playing game A B and C, it's not yeah yeah it's not going to work. Not going to work. So this kind of comes down to if I take that and set that on the shelf for a second, um, I think. I have a limit at my table or a preference that I have for where player agency or player control stops a, a line of some sort where I'm like, look, I'm not going to debate this piece with you. Stops at the dice, man. Stops at the dice for you. Well, so there's other, well, I'm just I saying mean, those. That otherwise I, chuck I'm, the freaking dice and just kind of, Hey, let's agree on something. No, there's, there is, there are components where if you're, in a room, you describe a bar. Someone says, I grab a bar. I grab a, a full wine bottle off the bar. I didn't describe a full wine bottle being in the bar. I didn't even oh. describe there's wine in the bar, but I allow you to have the thing. I see. That's a very low bar. Like, oh, what? That's cool. That's sexy. That's neat. You grab this cool thing. You added a bit of color 
to what may have been a very black and white narrative by smashing a bottle and having the red wine go everywhere, whatever it is. Um, <clears throat> you you, See, you know, that, reach behind the bar, pull out a knife or the shotgun or whatever's there. That's the, that. That's, uh, uh, what happened to the, hey, do I see this? What do I see? And then GM feeding those up. Like, I mean, me, I don't have players that just be like, hey, man, I'd grab the shotgun behind the bar and then say, I didn't say there was a shotgun behind the bar because the GM's, the GM's uh, kind of job is to paint the picture. The GM can say there's a freaking shotgun behind the bar, but you got to ask so, me that. So your, your approach would be ask. So what I'm saying is that from other sides, and some people I have played with and I've, I've spoken to are like, I will tell you what I'm doing. You tell me no. Nah, that's bullshit. Because because their theory is that you're wrong. This, you're wrong. Right, you're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> if you listen to this podcast re- and you're doing that, you're wrong. By Sean. Brett thinks By you're Sean. Right. Brett thinks I think it's you're like, totally fine. Brett's like, yeah, man, rock and roll. I don't know. You could do that, but I'm just saying that typically, okay, here's the deal. I think it traditional, I'm going to GM, uh, my job my role in the role playing game is to paint the picture, to set the setting, to set the the whatever, put put everything in front of you. And you want it, me to take your job, do you? You want it, some little job protection? <laughs> little job protection there, Sean. Is that what you're looking for? I'm feeling a little threatened here. You feeling a little threatened? My job's a little threatened, man. I could be out on the line. Uh bread line. If you if you do that. If you allow the players to do that, that's great. If you settle that, like, hey, man, I'm all, hey, let's wheel and deal, and I and it leads to coolness, I am totally up for that. But as a GM, I think it's kind of your spiel to kind of say, hey, and why not just say that there's a shotgun behind the bar or whatever, or you see this and that. But unless the player actually goes back there and looks and sees something, right? Otherwise, you might as well just sit back, GM, and just go, yep, yep, nope, yep, or, hey, that sounds great. You know, oh, you had shotgun behind the bar. Great. Yeah, and I that, shoot him in the what, face. What, you, what you just got to here is actually a discussion that I've had with um, my buddy Zave around this type of thing where, like, how far, again, where's the bar set? Where's your level? Where's your tolerance for it? If you let it go, if you will, to a certain point, you're like, okay, um, yeah, what? now now I'm just saying yes, no, yes, no, yes, no, yeah. maybe, kind of, and you become kind of an answer machine instead of a narrative painter, right, right? or or that type of that type of piece. So I think then why not? Why doesn't the player just go home and play with themselves? Oh, well. Thanks. No, I I get it, and that's where games like Fiasco are cool because you don't if you want to do that type of thing. There's a game for that, right? So if we're talking, let's say now I want to do my thing where I reach behind the bar and grab the shotgun, and uh, in my Shadowrun game that you're running, you're running Shadowrun game. I reach behind the bar and I grab the shotgun. And you say, no, there's no shotgun back there. Oh, crap. Well, it's got to be a shotgun. And you're like, look, if you want to know what's there, you got to ask. Because that's how Sean wants me to do it. I believe that there's that is a very easy way. I'm, because some of the, we talk about we want to have conversation before the game. Dude, it would be difficult. one of these. I go behind the bar and I duck and I'm looking for something like a weapon. What do yeah, I see? That's what you want me to do as your player. But I don't believe that uh, when we sit down and have our social contract, whatever else we have, you're not going to, and I'm not going to, I don't know many game masters you can, line out all the different, you know, this is how you should act at my table. This is how you ask for these type of questions. And these type of questions go in these nice buckets. When that happens, you as a game master would be like, no, that's that's not how I do that. You went be, you reach behind the bar, you find nothing. Well, is there anything back there? you got to go back and look, man. That's what you got to do. That's my cue from you as game master. 
Sean, don't play that. I need to do it this other way. Well, yeah. That's what I'm getting to. Yeah, there's, I mean, you, there, uh, I think if, yes, you're right. And I think good GMs will ask you, like, what are you looking for? And then you say, I'm looking for something, anything, a weapon. I'm I'm under fire here, man. You know, what? Because the player has to say, well, I'm going back there for a particular reason. Why are you going back there? What are you hoping to achieve? And then by hearing that from the player, then the GM can react and say, oh, yeah, of course, yes. You don't, or no, you don't find a shotgun, but you find a pistol. Great, awesome. Oh, no, you don't find a gun, but you find a machete. Or, you know, whatever that is. Baseball bat or a nail in it. Baseball bat or a nail in it. And I think that if you get a GM and a player that jives, you can still have your cake and eat it, too. You just got to you just got to bring it together, man. So what we talk, So when we're talking about, like, the non-voluntary death, and we don't want to get to a point where we have, I think where you and I are agreeing here, is that I don't want to have a long, drawn-out diatribe or discussion around is this okay? Can you die here? Can you please, can uh, you fall in love with this person is, versus whole, this other person? Yeah. I think that's a whole different countess and, Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I think it's a whole But, you know, can you fall in love with the countess instead of the baroness? Can you um, <clears throat> sweet talk the duke or do you have to sweet talk the king? Which one is more narratively appropriate for you? You don't want to have that discussion. No, they can do it. They <clears throat> Look, a player can do whatever they want. That doesn't yes. mean they're going to succeed or fail. They're not going to succeed or fail. I mean, I mean, it's kind of, you could, that's what the dice are for. Or if you're playing in my game, I dictate whether it, what the outcome is. Yeah, of course it is. And having said that, though, you know, that's what the kind of randomness is. If there's a random thing that influences something and you need to kind of make a decision and you're not sure because you're the GM and you're not me, then roll a die. Okay, yes, 1 to 20 or 1 to 10, you know, 11 to 20, yeah, no. And then just roll it. Yep, okay, great, you do it. That's what okay. skills are and proficiencies well, and all that other so bullshit's for. Then the the lesser forms of the improv or my agency, my power as a player to uh, invest the area, the situation. Yeah. As Tim as Tim called it, my power to control the situation or invest the situation with features that I think are cool, either to give me an advantage or just because I think they're cool. When I say I grab the red curtains off the window. And you say, no, the curtains aren't red, they're blue. Okay, first off, who fucking cares what color they are? The, the thing is that they did a thing. But why Why is the person taking it upon themselves to inject <clears throat> shit into the game? Why isn't it the GM that's saying, why isn't the because player going, what, not, is, what is the room look for like? You, so what depending is, what is you're doing. Is there something by the handle? I mean, I used to have people that were like, is there anything on the altar? Yes, there is. There's a candle. Great. Is it lit? Yes, it is. Okay, I take the candle and I freaking light the damn tablecloth on fire. Great, now it's on fire, right? I mean, it's kind of that interaction back and forth. Why do you have to have the guy go, or the gal go, say, hey, I take the candle. Well, I didn't say there was a fucking candle. Quit goddamn taking over my game. I don't know. <laughs> wow, now you're back to where I was all angry at the beginning. Now you're angry. This is awesome. I transferred <laughs> my rage you did, across the microphone to son you. Son of a bitch. This is, this is neat. I think I, so, I feel mind screwed. <laughs> I honestly don't mind. that. That's my... Uh, so from an agency tolerance or an agency threshold level or whatever, I'm cool with that. I'm happy to say when Lenny says, uh, you know, I reach behind the bar and grab the uh, shotgun. I say, there's no shotgun. You go to where it should be. And there's not one there. Like, and he'll look at me like, really a bar without a shotgun. Yep. These guys don't have any protection. Oh, Jesus Christ. And then he's going to go back to the combat or whatever it is. So I have an opportunity to say no. Um, instead of doing it the way you're doing it, where you'd say, well, what are you trying to do? You have to go behind it. You have to go look for a thing. 
and give me a different back and forth. Is there a candle? Is there a tablecloth? Is there a Parcheesi set on the floor? What's there? Um, I think by having people interject small components, one, you've got some cool narrative pieces that they're throwing out. And two, I as game master or whomever is game master cannot cover every square inch of what's in the room. No. So by throwing some of that stuff out there, it gives um, it gives more flavor and um, more realism and all those different cool pieces. I've got more stuff to interact with. Yeah. Right. What do you want? What do you want to do, player? I'm I want to try to do this. Can I? You know, well, there is this, 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 and that. Okay, great. Is there something that allows me to swing? Yeah, there's a chandelier hanging out in the middle of the room. Great. I'm gonna so instead jump of out there. instead of asking you first and then deciding what they're going to do, they're like, I want to do this thing, so I do this. And you're saying you don't like that. No, I don't mind it as long as they ask me, like, if, if I, they go, I want to attempt to swing across the room or I want to get to the other side of the room. What is around me that allow me to do that? Well, there's a chandelier, okay. there's a, uh, a tapestry, there's, you've got your rope and a, you know, grappling hook, whatever that is. What are you going to, what do you want to do? I'm going to try to do this. Well, that might take longer than you want. Okay. Well, is there a quick methods? Both methods will get you the same answer. You don't like having me as a player say, no, I grab the rope and swing across the room. Like there's no rope. <laughs> you're going <clears> to. <throat> Dude, we're, we're like at an hour, man. We got to, we got to move I on. Don't. We could be on All this right. for like two hours. I know we can. That's part of the BS part. Um, All right. Okay. All right. We'll have to, we'll have to walk away. We'll have to walk away. We'll have to walk away. Cliffhanger. Cliffhanger. <laughs> Cliffhanger. Well, hey, at least the show's still together. <laughs> that is true. That is true. So far. All right. All right. Let's get into die roll where we talk about two to four miscellaneous points of gaming and Greekery we want to share with you. Brett has three. I have three. Yes. So um, number one, the Delta Green Kickstarter is live. Um, go to Kickstarter, look up uh, Delta Green, the role playing game. It's out there. Heard it's um, steep, man. Yeah. The intro. I mean, it's really pricey. I don't see a lot of... Um, Decent breakpoints in it. I looked at it and I'm like, okay, I really want to get in on it. If I go in on a Kickstarter on RPG, I want to get a hardcover. Kind of follow the Phil Vecchio approach. Like, look, if I'm in it, I want to find the hardcover. And um, what do they want I for the hardcover? To get in on that, I'm like at 100 plus bones to get where what I'd want. I'm like, I don't think, I don't know. I, I'm everything I see in it tells me that that I think they're fully funded at this point. At least they, I believe they were last I checked. Um. But I can get that stuff later. There's no break, right? The The cost is whatever MSRP is. Whatever I'm going to find in the game store is the same cost on the Kickstarter. So I'm like, okay, I, I just don't see I don't see much. Oh, Kevin, thank you, Kevin. It, it's like over 110k, I think, is where they're at right now. So I think, oh, the Kickstarter. I think I think they're fil- I think they're fully funded. But the point is, is that the the levels in there it seem like okay, um, especially if you're funded, I'm not gonna catch a break getting in on it at the levels that I would want to, I might as well just wait till it's my store and buy it there. Well, yeah. And then the Kickstarter, they throw in all kinds of stuff and yeah, tons of stretch goals as Kevin says in the chat room, which is fine. But if you know, I was all amped up for uh, it. I was, cause I'm a, I'm a Delta green guy. I I like it, but I'm like, Oh, there's something about it. It seems steep. So I'm on the fence right now. Trail Cthulhu Delta green. Yeah, there's going to be a Trail of Cthulhu Delta green, which I can grab a hold of because that'll be a PDF I can get. So So it's Delta green ourselves to death. Yeah. Anyway, so speaking of that stuff, yeah, excuse me. Um, for listeners out there who um, who aren't aware, Unspeakable Oath. It was a fanzine type of thing that's been out for quite some time. It was on, off, on, off. 
um, theunspeakableoath.com. It's still out there, and they're still producing some pretty cool stuff. Kind of and in support of Delta Green and all of that. It's out there. Um, I know a lot of people who are who are big into Call of Cthulhu and stuff already know about it, but I just want to call it out. It's one of those pieces, like I say, it's out there. It's got some really good, um, really good background stuff. I have a number of old epi- uh, episodes, issues in my collection, and uh, they're fun to peruse. They're really good ideas and stuff. So anyway, check it out. The last one is uh, a mammoth was found in Michigan. This is kind of cool. Anytime somebody digs up something incredibly old out in the uh, out in the old uh, in the hinterlands, if you will, and they find something neat, it's cool. And this is always game fodder for me. Somebody digging up something that's really cool. Um, again, kind of in the Cold Cthulhu mindset. Hey, I dug up this really cool thing. Wow, look at these strange ruins. Blah, I'm insane now. Um, not that a mammoth will drive you insane. At least I would hope not. Or maybe it could. And that would be a cool twist. But anyway, that's cool. And that's out there. So, Sean, over to you. Number one animated Ghostbusters film. Sony Pictures Animation's developing a Ghostbusters animated feature according to the tracking board. Film will track the original film's premise with a group of scientists using gadgets and gizmos to defend Manhattan from supernatural forces. It's at a very early stage with the studio looking for a screenwriter. So expect that to burn and burn and die. Vapor. Yeah, burn and die. Neat idea. Too bad it'll never see the light of day. Numero deuce. Games Workshop changing the name of the retail stores to Warhammer. Going to the Warhammer store. Hmm, that's probably what everybody called it anyway, right? Yeah, probably. Uh, so that was, I don't know when that's supposed to go into it. So the link to the article is kind of an op-ed from ICV2, a writer there. And then, of course, number three, the X-Files trailer. If you haven't seen it, check it out. Link in the show notes. It's on YouTube. And uh, produced on, I don't know if it's released on Fox. I think it's, isn't it not Netflix? It might be a Netflix series only, but... Fox, I think, owns the rights. I don't know. And it doesn't matter. Check it out. Mulder and Scully back together again, ladies and gentlemen. We'll see. We'll see. Yeah. Also, yeah, I think that's all I have. Brett, you? Um, No, nothing else new. Just a one, uh, quick shout out to our uh, patrons, Joe Swick, Kev Thulu, and Jeff Rademacher. Thank you, guys. If you're interested in being a patron, uh, go to our website, gamingbs.com. We've got a link to our patron site out there. I appreciate you guys getting in on there. That helps us uh, get things going and keep producing the show. Thank you very much. All right. Thanks to Mem Birdman and Nick56 for reviews on iTunes. Much appreciated. If you Absolutely. do enjoy Gaming NBS, tell a friend uh, to give us a listen. Ask them what they think. And if they don't like us, hey, that's cool. And if they do, then uh, they'll, they'll be a listener. And that'll be great. And we'll be happy. I think that's it. That's all I have. I think that's about it. All right. Well, the best with the topic. We might have to come back at it. I don't think we wrapped it up yet. That's true. We'll we'll see what we can do. Having said that, I'm one of your hosts, Sean. And I'm Brett. Thanks for listening. Good game and all.